Educators want to stay fresh with literacy instruction, but are so busy with students, they don't always have the time. All year long, Choice Literacy publishes and delivers the best K-12 literacy practices so that educators can grow their students as readers and writers with choice in literacy. Welcome to the Big Fresh Choice Literacy Podcast. I'm Ruth Ayers. Hi, friends. This week, I'm excited to introduce you to Brian Seppe, our featured contributor. Brian is an instructional coach in Buffalo, New York, and he's also a consultant and instructional coach with the Western New York Teaching Residency Program. Brian has spent a lot of time with the Teachers College Reading and Writing Project and in K-8 classrooms. He is also trained through the Instructional Coaching Group with Jim Knight. I hope that you'll find Brian on social media. You can find him at Brian underscore Seppe underscore or at his website, briansepe.com. This week, he shares the lead essay, Between Our Best and Better. Do your best until you know better. Then, when you know better, do better. Maya Angelou. Between Our Best and Better by Brian Seppe. Somewhere between our best and better is progress. I coach baseball athletes, and one of the things we are always trying to determine is the work needed to improve outcomes on the field. Recently, we timed our athletes' speed to first base. Each athlete received a number with their best time. Next, our coaching staff designed some whole group activities and drills to target an improvement in their speed. Each athlete determined a plan and a target goal to become better. Efforts toward progress is the only thing we can control. Our effort and our intense focus around showing up in the world as the best version of ourselves each day. It is possible that you have little left to give and only small reserves of energy remaining. It is possible you are languishing. And despite these low energy stores and the unsuccessful attempts at progress, you still show up. You show up for others and others are showing up for you. Okay, so uh, we are discussing outside inside and uh this book really um it wasn't on my radar when it, when i came uh to this book uh recently and I, I realized that it probably should have been on my radar much earlier um and i know bitsy you had mentioned uh the possibility of using it last january uh and i do I, i've been watching uh in our k5 buildings i've just been sort of watching these uh like our our younger students like our k12 and there's times when I'm just not 100% sure that we've spent enough time um, talking about this, you know, global shared experience and how they're, um, you know, 
little eyes have experienced this whole thing and what they've seen and what they've taken in and how they've processed it. Uh, and I think giving them a little bit of a voice. And I thought this book book just did such a, a fantastic job. And I know she mentions it uh, at the end, um, just about um, how this book even came to be um, and the images being captured uh, of real images and stories that were happening. Um, but I just thought the flow was was so nice. Um, there are so many pages that we could talk about, I'm sure, but I and I certainly want to hear um, from all of you and, and how you would use this. But I, I think, and there's some interpretation work uh, to be done in this book too. Even if you used it sort of beyond in that like grade two, three, four, um, I think there's there's work to be done there. But I thought the one thing that I think this does in this book is it describes that experience, what was happening outside. And what was happening inside um, and really does a nice job of drawing those parallels of these beautiful things that were happening and also these tense moments um, that we, we we can't ignore and let go of um, whether it was frontline workers or um, like uh, the the mentioning about we were sharing words without sounds uh, these signs in the yard um, and, and the idea that people were willing to sort of risk everything to join these shared experiences for social justice. At the same time, there was this global pandemic happening. So I just thought that that just played so nicely and, and just using that as a way to generate more conversation, uh, especially with our younger students uh, and really getting their perspective, allowing them into sharing those experiences. I, I think it's also referred to at the end of the book, um, it's also referred to as um, this time capsule. And I thought like, yeah, like what's the time capsule that we're allowing our students to kind of, you know, capitalize on and share. And I thought just hearing their voices. So I, I viewed this as a way to um, really elicit some deeper conversations about what it was like for the individuals in a room and really have those shared experiences. So I thought about this book in a way of like, almost like this sort of grand conversation or shared experience conversations, perhaps some writing about reading. Um, but uh, yeah, I, that's, that's sort of where, where I, where I landed was, you know, taking away those themes about what was happening outside and how things were flourishing, what was happening on the inside and, and still people were flourishing, but yet there were all these hardships um, that also couldn't be ignored, but people really wanting to uh, support one another. And we can't let this time slip away. Like, you know, if this gets, if we don't, if we don't use this book now, um, you know, and time goes on, it, it, you know, I, I don't want, I don't want to lose that opportunity. It's still relatively fresh. So I think capitalizing on that matters. What were you all thinking when you read the book? If you were thinking about your students or maybe yourself, I'm curious to get your thoughts. Brian, I think one thing I loved about the book was, um, and I mean this in the most respectful way, but the, the gentle, simple language um, in contrast to the very vivid images of what was happening. And I thought the book um, captured how people were feeling, but in a way that children could, it was very accessible and it celebrated all the, the good, you know, it celebrated, you know, they, it honored what was difficult, but it also celebrated all of the, the good that was happening around us and how people were stepping up. And I feel like that's an important thing for kids to notice around, yes, what was hard, but also what did people do in the face of hardship? Tammy, I was um, kind of thinking about the language too, and the language is um, so simple that it makes space for students, I thought. 
it's kind of like an, I feel like the story really opens doors, like for conversation, for writing, um, for reflection on what we've all been through and even for analysis, like, because it's so simple, but then the illustrations do lend some specificity, but it's kind of an open invitation for like, what do you notice? What do you pick up on? Um, what are you drawn to? So I liked kind of the word that kept coming to mind for me was balance. There's so much balance in the book between like the hope and joy, the sadness and grief, the inside, the outside, the, the simplicity and the complexity um, of the experience of the way that the story is told. It's just, I think, a beautiful invitation. That's so true, Christy. I didn't think I didn't think about that too when you said the the idea of the the simple language and, and the contrast that's drawn there. But um, the, the parallels too, right? We made things together and did things alone. I mean, even just that that's simple. It's so simple. But what did we do alone? Uh, what did we do together? What were the shared experiences too? So I think you're yeah, that's so so right on. I um, I noticed this the first two pages were. Pretty cool contrast from you know a street full of people to nothing except the cat. I don't know if the cat was like the spirit animal of the story or, um, but you know he kept he or she kept. It was a thread throughout the pages and um, also felt like all the the way the text was placed almost served like as captions and felt like the author illustrator really wanted us to focus on the images. And, and kind of the text supporting the images, which I think, you know, it's picture books, right? But um, just the unique way in which she um, framed the book, you know, visually was was unique and I appreciated. I want to go back to something Christy said earlier when she referred to the language made space. I used this book last year and no matter how many times I read it, it I think because of that space, I cannot read this book fast. It's almost like the placement of the text or the short phrases just automatically give a pause in your reading. I, I, I don't know if that d describes it enough, but I, it's just, I haven't felt that, I don't think, with other books. I think when there's full long sentences, whether it's, you know, picture books and how much are on a page. And then, Matt, about those illustrations that you were um, commenting commenting on, as I was looking back at the book this week, I thought it was really uh, unique that we have a two-page spread when it's the ideas she's talking about are community-related, but then when it gets down to those things about individual people or people being in their homes, it's they're like little boxes of illustrations, almost to another way to show the isolation or the different roles people had in the pandemic, but how we had to do things alone and that may not have affected all of us in the same way. Mandy, I was gonna comment on the vignettes also because I think what's so nice about it is that because she used vignettes, there's so many of them that everyone, I feel like all students and adults as well can find a connection. You know, when I look at it, I see the pictures where I think, oh, yeah, that was my family. Or I look at it where I think, oh, that was a student who shared something about their home. So it's like there's an entry point for every everyone, you know, and especially when she uses them, um, you know, from around the world, not from all the same neighborhood. Um, one that really stood out to me even just recently was those um, 
the playground, you know, the swings were lonely. And I thought it's just crazy to think of those times where, yeah, there was no one could be on the playground. And um, it's so every time I read it, I feel like there's a different connection point. Betsy, your comment made me think of um, Mandy had put in the Padlet that the students told her where to stop when she was reading and those connections, um, because there are so many different places and um, spots where you might make a connection to your own personal experience or a story you heard um, or something that's even happening now, it just lends itself to, um, I just think being one of those books, like Mandy said, you couldn't read it quickly (laughs) because you have to leave room for those conversations to happen. And um, I think it's one of those books where you also aren't just going to, it's not going to be a one and done. Like it's a book that you're going to return to and you're going to do some follow-up with um, for that reason, because there's, it's so filled with personal connections. I could really see taking pages of it and asking kids to just put a sticky note on the page that they want to talk more about and forming small groups around that page and letting kids look real closely at the illustrations and and just talking about what they what they noticed um, as you had said Christy and what what they see and and then also relating their own stories to it just feels like there's an opportunity for for choice within you know what you're going to discuss in that book as well I agree so much with that Tammy and Christy and one thing that um strikes me is that I read this right when it came out last January to my students and what the comment that was so um, poignant at the time was their connection to the characters in the book wearing masks like them because that was new. And I remember at the time thinking, well, this book, you know, what would they think of it in a year? Will it even still have the same relevancy or same poignancy? But I read it to my students this year as a possible Caldecott just this last week and still how there were so many places where they connected, you know, it's almost like so much more time has gone by. It's almost more relevant. And almost, I wonder in years, if it will become more of a history lesson than um, a time capsule. You know, I think there's a lot in it where we're like, oh my goodness, remember that and remember that. Um, So I think it's um, just, it's going to, it's going to really survive the test of time for sure. I was trying before book club, I was like trying to figure out why this book uh, just feels so powerful. And so um, when you were talking about the simplicity of the language and that back and forth text, it reminded me um, of one of my favorite books that gets me every time. And it's Tough Boris. Do you know that book? It's an old book. Um, I think it's by Cynthia Ryland. Is that right? No, it's Mem Fox. Mem Fox. Oh, of course. Um, but anyway, it's that seesaw structure. And I was like, oh, this is that same structure. And it's so simple, but yet just gives us this, um, I don't know, time or pause. Um, but I I was really glad that you talked about that. Um, and then the second thing I was thinking about, Tammy, when you were describing kids picking a page. Um, A long time ago, I heard Frank Serafini talk and he talked about taking a picture book. You actually need two and like putting it around your cutting it apart and putting it around 
the room so that kids can like almost have this journey where they're walking through it. And I was, when you were talking about that, I could just see this book, you know, up or maybe low on the wall where, you know, young children can walk through and and mark and you put it on butcher block, they can write their comments or put sticky notes. And I just was trying to imagine how that would change the reading experience if you could almost walk through this book. Um, So anyway, those were, were things I didn't realize until the conversation, which is what I think makes me addicted to book club. I love that idea. Um, and I think I'm going to float that to a few <clears throat> colleagues who I think um, would be interested in something like that, because I think that is a, a unique experience to kind of walk um, and linger, because I think, Mandy, that's what you're describing is, is like giving, and Tammy, the same thing, like that opportunity for students to kind of linger a little bit longer, uh, because those illustrations, as you mentioned, Matt, are just so powerful um, and really just kind of spending a little bit more time and thinking about how they connect uh, personally and uh, in our sort of wider spheres um, with, you know, through their, through their lenses. Uh, because I think the other thing too, is as an educator, like I don't know everybody's story through this time either. And I think just being a, a, a curious sort of observer, like I want to hear more and I want to validate those things or I want to, you know, deploy empathy for, for um, students who had, you know, maybe a different experience. Um, but I think this book capturing all the good that came from that time, uh, as you mentioned, Tammy, I think cap- capitalizing on that and really, you know, building the social capital in a room around, you know, we all had similar experiences, yet they were different. Um, and really getting those things out, um, you know, kind of can really do some work around identity uh, early, right? Like, I think that 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 matters. Earlier, um, Bitsy had mentioned that her students feeling represented because the characters in the book were wearing masks. And then you just mentioned um, wanting to know students' stories and maybe they had different experiences. And one of the things that struck me in reading, and especially then when reading the author's note, um, it made me go back and look at the illustrations uh, more closely with different eyes, um, is the diversity that's represented in um, so many different ways, in even locations, um, you know, a wide variety of areas that kids like rural areas, city, um, all sorts of different ways that she shows um, cultural diversity. She also has um, just the diversity and experience. And I think that that's one of the things that makes it so powerful is that that representation is so wide in the book. And that's not always frequently the case um, that often a book is representative, but it's representative of a group as opposed to this being so widely representative. Um, I also wanted to say, um, I just um, have to mention that if you're thinking of doing that, um, kind of putting up the book and letting the kids walk through it, I urge you to include like the cover and um, the end pages, I know that's like harder, but with two copies, you would be able to do. But the way that the outside, um, like the dust jacket shows the inside experience, but then underneath the dust jacket, you have what it looked like outside. And then the end pages have that same balance. And that's all part of that experience, too, that invites us into the story that um, I think is worth including in that sort of walkthrough book. I don't know if anyone mentioned memoir writing too with this, like 
if maybe this would be a springboard to some, you know, you know what was a memorable moment from from when the world shut down or, or shortly thereafter, or any kind of during this experience, um, it could lead to a to some type of a writing experience for kids. Maybe start with some shared writing uh, with the teacher, just you know, telling a story and then and building one together. And it'd be interesting to see what the kids remember, you know, from from when this began to the current day. I think that we could probably keep talking like all night long about the book. Um, but what I'd like for us to do is um, let's just introduce ourselves and um, share if you have a final thought or maybe a favorite page or a part of uh, the book that you just want to mention. You can mention that. And then we'll give Brian the last word since he picked the, the book. So everybody can go um, before Brian. And then I think Mandy's going to introduce February's book pick for us. So my name is Ruth Ayers. I'm the editor at Choice Literacy. And um, I loved the page with all the hearts and the silhouettes of the people. And um, I, I could put my finger on it that it was because it was hopeful. But after listening to what um, Tammy, what you said early on in the conversation, I was like, yes, the whole book is filled with hope. And I think I want to take that into classrooms with me. I'm Tammy Mulligan, and currently I teach second grade um, at a military base. And I think there's lots of things I loved about the book, but I do think the page of the hospital workers and showing the helpers, I just find that that aspect so reassuring for children um, about all the helpers in the world. I love how it honors people. Matt Renwick, uh, principal at Mineral Point Elementary School in Wisconsin. And um, again, I really like the first two pages. I don't want to belabor it, but I just, I'm like I said, I have it on Kindle and I can go back and forth real quickly. And you can see the contrast just in the colors they use, um, uh, darker shades and um, when, you know, when everything uh, shut down and, so I think that just kind of really conveyed nicely what what happened was just everything just all of a sudden shut down. So I thought the illustrations did that nicely. Mandy Roback and I teach third grade in central Ohio. And I think something that just really sticks with me about this text is nowhere in the story are, are any emotion words written or said, but I feel like there's so much opportunity that it's just natural. It just tugs at your heart and gives you hope. So it's just filled with a lot of emotions without directly saying it. I'm Bitsy Parks and I teach first grade just outside of Portland, Oregon. And um, Mandy, I guess I'm piggybacking on yours because I'm not sure I have a favorite page, but I'm so struck by how um, much emotion this book elicits for me. Even a year later when I read it to my students just last week, how it almost chokes me up. And I think it's um, the experience and I think it's the hope. And I think it's just the um, representation of, of all of us and, and what we all went through. Somehow she put it into words so nicely. I'm Christy Rush Levine and I teach sixth grade in a Southwest suburb of Chicago. And I just wanna share my takeaway from tonight. I had initially jotted a note um, that I might have kids lift a line from the story and write from that line. But then after book club, which is my favorite thing about book club, because I leave with more thoughts. Um, Tammy had mentioned the idea of having students put a post-it note on a page that they wanted to talk more about. 
And I think um, lifting an illustration is maybe a more powerful spark for writing in this case. And my name is Brian Seppi, and I am an instructional literacy coach here in the Buffalo, New York area. Um, as far as favorite pages, I'll stick with that theme because I like it. Uh, I, the, the page where uh, it's a two-page spread, it says outside the world kept growing. Uh, and then the next page, we move inside and inside we kept growing too. And I just thought that was so powerful for the piece. And we're still growing as a result of uh, this whole experience, right? Um, and I just think giving students uh, and myself time to be curious about what students say, but but finding out where students are in that process of their own growth and reflection of this whole time. Uh, maybe students who didn't have traditional, I mean, we all didn't have a traditional setting in our, our campuses, um, but even our youngest students, you think about those seven and eight-year-olds who had really rocky starts to their educational um, settings, uh, it, it's it's tricky. And I want to hear those stories just about their their growth and, you know, where they are in this, this timeline. Um, so I think it's an opportunity to be curious. And I love that idea too, the activities around uh, lifting a line or lifting an illustration uh, to the picture box we talked about. I walked away with a ton of ideas uh, from this whole conversation. Thank you all so much. Oh, it's been a great conversation. So Mandy, what's on deck for us? Oh, I'm so excited, Ruth and friends here at Book Club. Um, I forgot to bring the book home with me. So I know that you can see that on Zoom with me here. I'm not sure. It is Unbound, The Life and Art of Judith Scott. So the art is done by Melissa Sweet. So if you know Melissa Sweet's work, it's collage and layers. Um, and it's a story about a pair of sisters right here from um, Columbus, Ohio area, um, central Ohio-ish. And they, um, they're twins. And one has Down syndrome and she is sent away for several years to an institution. Um, when they become adults, she, um, the other sister, Joyce, gets Judith back and they live in California together. Um, Joyce has, Judith has Down syndrome and she starts going to a center for uh, adults with disabilities, an art center, and she becomes a sculptor. And I just picked this book. I think sometimes you don't understand um, or know how a book is going to affect a community. And it, you could have heard a pin drop the entire time I read it in my classroom. And when I read it, my heart tugged. I had sad moments. But I seriously had to turn my head because I was tearing up when I got to this one page that you will all discover. And like the way my students reacted um, was really powerful. So and then afterwards, we all wanted to be Judith Scott. And so we ditched our plans for the day and we became artists and we unpacked closets and created sculptures and have a video, um, a slideshow of it. So it's great fun. I'm super excited about this read. So it's next another picture book. Um, so people can pick it up and um, join in on the book club on the site. There's a Padlet you can add or you can um, talk about it in social media. And then we will talk again next month thinking about Unbound, the life and art of Judith Scott. Thanks so much, everyone, for being here tonight. At Choice Literacy, we know that you want to be an educator who makes students' lives better through literacy. In order to do that, you need access to comprehensive literacy practices 
delivered in a way you will actually use. With over 150 in-the-field contributors, we understand the pressure to reach a variety of needs and not enough time to do it, which is why we hold true to workshop tenets like choice and share practical ways to plan and deliver literacy instruction straight to the point of student need. You can find links to all of the articles discussed in the show notes or sign up for the Big Fresh so you can have the links delivered directly to your inbox. Keep growing readers and writers by offering choice in literacy.